Chapter 22 of Dave Dashaway and His Hydroplane by Roy Rockwood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 22 Dave, a Captive. It took Dave an hour to find out just what had happened to him. He roused up to find two men carrying him, one at his feet, one at his shoulders. All that he could guess was that they were on land. How he had been fished out of the water, and what had become of the drifter, the young aviator had no means of knowing. The two men were rough-looking fellows, and reminded Dave of dock laborers or loiterers. They were big and sturdy, and as Dave stretched out and showed signs of life, one of them remarked gruffly, "'None of that. No squirming now.' Dave's clothes were soggy and dripping. He felt somewhat sore on one side of his head, but so far as he could figure it out, he was not crippled or seriously hurt. The young aviator cast his eyes about him to learn that they were going through a patch of timber. Then came a meadow-like stretch, and then a thicket. They had not gone far into this before the men dropped him on the ground and stood over him. "'Can you walk?' asked one of the two. "'I think I can,' replied Dave, arising quite nimbly to his feet. The instant he did this, both of the men reached out and seized an arm. Dave was thus pinioned tightly as the men forced him along. "'Most there,' growled one of them gruffly. "'Good thing,' retorted the other. Finally they came to a dense thicket that covered a rise. About halfway up this, almost hidden by saplings and vines, Dave made out a grim-looking patched-up building. It was an old hut to which various additions had been made. One of Dave's companions uttered a peculiar whistle. The door of the place was opened, and a disreputable-looking fellow like themselves admitted them. "'Hello, who's this?' he spoke in a tone of curiosity. "'Oh, someone to take care of,' was the short reply. "'He don't look like a revenue.' "'Worse than that. Ridgely will tell you when he comes,' was the indifferent retort. "'Have you a place to keep him tight and safe?' "'I guess so,' laughed the other. "'A dozen of them. One will do.' Dave was led through several rooms. Then they came to a partition formed of heavy timbers. In its center was a stout door with an immense padlock. "'Get in there!' spoke the most ferocious of his captors, giving Dave a push. Then the door was closed with a crash that showed how heavy it was. Dave could hear those outside securing the padlock. "'A prisoner, eh?' mused Dave, looking about him. "'Yes, it is indeed tight and safe.' Dave's prison place was gruesome in the extreme. On three sides was solid rock, forming a semicircular back to the room. The partition closed the entire front. Near its top, in several places, were cut-out apertures admitting air and a little light. There were some broken boxes in the place and a heap of burlap. Dave decided that it had been used at some time or other as a place of storage. He did not yet feel normal, so he sat down on one of the boxes and felt about his head. "'Just a bruise,' he reported. I suppose they dragged me aboard the drifter from the water, but what about Hiram and the Monarch too? Dave started up, 
all weakness and dizziness disappearing as if by magic as he thrilled over the possible peril of his comrade with a dim recollection only of his last sight of hiram and the monarch too he feared what might have happened to either or both it worried dave a good deal and made him restless and unhappy but finally he figured out a theory in some unaccountable way the monarch too had no sooner glided along on its pontoon than it had run straight away up into the air as though the self-starter was in perfect action dave recalled hiram struggling to reach the pilot seat then he had witnessed the disappearance of the monarch too i doubt if hiram could manage the machine i even doubt with something wrong with it as there surely was if he could keep it adrift decided dave what then the young aviator pictured hiram and the machine in a tangle among the trees or dropping upset among the rocks he had not seen anything of the dawsons or the drifter since he had fallen into the water of the bay perhaps he reasoned they had resumed an air chase of the fugitives dave had several hours to himself he detected no sound or movement outside of the strange room he was in it was dreadfully dull and lonesome and he wondered what the outcome of his present adventure would be it was well along in the day when dave from sheer weariness and worry had laid down among the heaps of burlap that a diversion came to the monotony he started up as he heard voices outside the door then the padlock rattled the door opened, and someone stepped across the threshold. The visitor stared about to locate Dave and spoke the words, "'That you, Dashaway?' The room was lighter now, with the door half open. Dave rubbed his eyes and strained his gaze and took a good look at the speaker. "'Don't you know me?' challenged the latter. "'Oh, yes,' replied Dave. "'I see now. You are the gentleman we rescued from the lake at Columbus.' "'I don't suppose you think me much of a gentleman just now, Dashaway,' spoke Ridgely, for he was, in fact, Dave's visitor. His tone was somewhat regretful and not at all unfriendly. Dave was shrewd enough to discover this and politic enough to take quick advantage of it. "'Oh, I don't know,' he said. "'Of course, you are with the crowd who had me locked in here.' "'I'm sorry to say that's true,' responded Ridgely. "'It's not pleasant here, I can tell you,' said Dave. "'And the whole thing is pretty high-handed. "'Don't you think so, Mr. Ridgely?' "'I don't think it, Dashaway. "'I know it. "'See here, I've got nothing against you. "'On the contrary, I owe you a good deal. "'I'm not forgetting that you saved my life "'when my launch struck the rocks near Columbus.' "'Dave was silent, resolved to let the man have his say out. "'I was in a fix, then.' I was in a fix before I got there, and I'm afraid I'm in a fix now, continued Ridgely. I've come to see you in the right spirit, Dashaway. How is that? inquired Dave. Sick of the whole combination. I thought I was smart, but you and your people are smarter. Young Dawson convinced me that we could run things so our airship could make trips for a long time, and here you are on our trail within seventy-two hours. "'Yes, Mr. Ridgely,' acknowledged the young aviator. "'They found a clue and started pursuit right after you stole the drifter.' "'You mean you did. Don't be modest, Ashaway. 
I've learned a good deal about you, and if I hadn't about decided to quit business, I'd offer you a job. What? smiled Dave. Smuggling? Well, it pays pretty big, you know. Does it? replied Dave. I fail to see it. I wouldn't like to be in a position where I was being chased half over the country. Hmm, we won't discuss it, retorted Ridgely in a moody tone. I came to tell you that you won't be hurt any. But I want to get away from here, insisted Dave. That will be all right, too, Ridgely assured him. You see, we know now that things are going to break up. I don't suppose you would tell me how closely the revenue officers are on our track. So close, replied Dave gravely, that you won't dare cross the border any more. Are they on the Canadian side yet? questioned Ridgely anxiously. I don't know that, and I shouldn't feel right in telling you if I did, replied Dave. You had better let me go, Mr. Ridgely. It won't sound well when things get righted that you kept me a prisoner here. I haven't all the say about that, Dashaway, confessed Ridgely in a rueful way. I don't think the Dawsons will let you go until they are sure of making themselves safe. Do you know what became of our airship, Mr. Ridgely? Dave asked pointedly. No, I don't. None of us do. Young Dawson is pretty good in the air, but he didn't seem to know how to get off the water quickly. After we got you aboard, we lost a lot of time getting you ashore and up in the air again. When we started in the direction we had seen your airship go, we could find no trace of it. I hope nothing has happened to Hiram, thought Dave very anxiously. If I get away, resumed Ridgely, I want you to tell the people after me, if you can, that I'm all through with the smuggling business. I've had my fill of it. The speaker turned to leave the room, but Dave halted him with a question. What are you going to do about me, Mr. Ridgely? I'm going to order the people here to treat you the best they know how, was the prompt response. Now that's all very well enough, said Dave, but I have business to attend to. What business, Dashaway? Our airship, and my friend. Ridgely looked troubled. He was thoughtfully silent for a moment or two. Then he said, Look here, Dashaway. Our men are looking for your airship, and that means your friend, too, of course. I've got to go to Branford, but I shall leave word that they must look after your friend and let you go the minute I send back word that the coast is clear for them to scatter. But what about the drifter, Mr. Ridgely? persisted Dave. It is the property of my employers. I came after it, and I won it. A faint smile of mingled amusement and admiration crossed the face of Ridgely. Reckless fellow that he was, he could not fail to recognize the fact that Dave indeed had business to attend to. You take it pretty cool, Dashaway, he observed. Because I am in the right, asserted Dave, as you well know. The Dawsons are malicious people. I want you to warn them that if they do any unnecessary injury to the drifter, it will make it worse for them in the final reckoning that is bound to come. I don't think they will do the airship any injury. You don't know them as I do. Desperate fellows like the Dawsons will do anything at times. Dashaway, don't you think you are rather hard on them and on me? I know the Dawsons. I don't know much about you. 
I am not so bad as you think I am. Then why don't you set me free? We won't discuss that now. You had better think it over. I have thought it over. I am grateful to you for saving me, but, well, at present I can't do anything. You mean you won't? Well, have it that way if you wish. You'll be sorry some day, said Dave bluntly. Ridgely left the room. He closed the door after him with an assurance to Dave that things would be all right. Just then there was the sound of someone hurrying into the next room, and an excited voice shouting out in an exultant tone, Say, father, we've got the other one, too. End of chapter 22